Pandora's box, a box of chocolates. Would I eat them anyway? Cause every time I have half a mind to leave you, babe, that means I have half a mind to stay. It's Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Hi, this is Mike. See, Pandora's Lunchbox is the show about food and culture and stuff, and, like, we have so much to, like, talk about, you know, it's it's like, whoa. Things are happening this weekend. Things are happening in the world. Some of them involve sweet things that sometimes turn sour and weird things that sometimes turn sweet. I'll explain all after I figure out what that means. But in the meantime, something sweet from Mr. Roy Orbison with harmonica, would you believe? Come on, baby. Just don't hear Roy Orbison sounding quite like that very often. I don't think so, but that's awesome. That is Candyman. And would you believe it's a song about food? So this is Pandora's Lunchbox, I think. 
And a lot number of things are happening this weekend in the Ann Arbor area that are of interest and have a lot of food involved and sometimes a lot of drink. As a matter of fact, there is an Ann Arbor tradition that's going to be happening this weekend at the German Park. It's the German Park Picnic. I've heard so much about this. I haven't been there, but I hear there are enormous amounts of uh, beer flowing through German Park, not necessarily in a wave or a flood, but actually in glasses, steins and things, other such German words. But there are three German park picnics every summer in Ann Arbor, and the last one is going to be this weekend. German Park is at 5549 Pontiac Trail. There's information about it at germanpark.com. Authentic German dinners and traditional fare served beginning at 4 p.m. Dance band begins at 4 p.m. And, oh, I had the name of this band. They're a Detroit German band. Come enjoy the special performances of the German Park dancers. Here we go. Enzian. Enzian is the name of the band from Detroit. And information on that is at germanpark.com. And it got me thinking a little bit about the German history of Ann Arbor. It was the state's largest and first German settlement. That's according to the Washtenaw County Heritage Tourism Map Project. And this map project from Washtenaw County offers four distinct themed driving routes. So you can drive around, look at cities, villages, and rural areas. One of them is the German Heritage Tour, which will lead you, which will lead you through the back roads of Freedom, Lodi, and Sio Townships to see a landscape dotted with traditional farmsteads associated with the state's largest and first German settlement in this area. And the Germans brought us wonderful towns by the name of Frankenmuth and Frankenlust, which is my favorite. Frankenlust is an idea that I think we should all be a little afraid of, but nonetheless, nonetheless, I think we can handle it. We're Michiganders, and, and we can do that. Talk to my friend Ron, by the way, who's been in Ann Arbor for a while, and he talks about a business called Ennis & Sons that used to make work clothes, work boots, and stuff like that. They were on Liberty between Main Street and First Street. And back in the 80s, early 90s, he was remembering that the folks in there would, in fact, speak German People speaking German in Ann Arbor, it's a beautiful thing. In fact, there used to be that German newspaper that you could get in some of the vending machines around town. Was it the Waffenpost? Waffenpost? I must remember this now. There was one over by Fletcher Street, and then there was another one not far from this place, Ennis and Sons, and I believe that was there into the 2000s even. But my friend Ron remembers in Ennis and Sons that there would be a German farmer, one of the few remaining German farmers from out of town would ride into Ann Arbor on a horse and come to pick up work clothes at Ennis and Sons. He would buy it there. I don't see enough people on horses in downtown Ann Arbor. Wouldn't you say enough farmers from out of town? Well, there are more and more farmers in the area, so maybe we can get a movement of people who take their horses into Ann Arbor to pick up work clothes. And Ron was also mentioning that the building where Ennis and Sons was located was originally made so saddles could be hung from the ceiling. Also, not enough buildings like that anymore. He also remembers, my friend Ron, about the Riders Hobby Shop, which was in the area for quite a long time. He says at one point he and a friend were looking at their want ads and such on their wall, and there was a German farmer who had his tractor for sale. And Ron looked very closely. It wasn't a tractor, actually. It was a German troop transport from World War II. How he got that overseas to Ann Arbor, used it as a tractor for years one of the many mysteries in this town of ours. Well, makes me wish that I had a song about beer queued up, but I don't. But nonetheless, 
German Park picnic is coming up this weekend. And, well, beer makes people feel very sweet, so that's my excuse for playing another song with a sugary sweet theme. This is Sam and Dave. Soul Sister Brown Sugar. Thank you, Sam and Dave. Wow. Doesn't it make you feel sweet on the inside and the outside, kind of like a Twinkie? Yeah, kind of soft on the inside and porous on the outside. Yeah, like skin. Where am I going with this? This is Pandora's Lunchbox. It's a show about food, and you should know about weapons in southeast Michigan in case you need to carry one. A pie is a weapon that you might consider, at least if you're somebody who recently threw a pie at Congressman Carl Levin of Michigan recently. Uh, it was, I believe, an apple pie, so that's something... Yes, 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 an apple pie, in fact, so that's a weapon you may choose. I want to talk about that for just a second because it's a pie, and pies are sweet and really, really tasty. See, So, actually, this was in the Christian Science Monitor recently, the fact that Carl Levin got hit by a pie by a protester got some commentary going there. In Big Rapids, in fact, a fellow hit Senator Levin. It was it was this Monday or was it last Monday? But either way, the protester was arrested. The protester was from Coldwater, which is, roughly speaking, food. The pie in question was apple. Senator Levin took the incident with good humor, saying he was sorry the filling was not blueberry, which is his favorite, 
And the thing, unfortunately, is that the fellow got arrested. There were assault charges. And so I don't have the exact results of that right now. But nonetheless, pastry protest, it says here in the in the Christian Science Monitor, has a long history in U.S. politics. Since the 60s, those opposed to the actions of people in power have occasionally made their, po- their point pie any means necessary. Their point pie any means necessary. I don't know what language that is. But generally, pie-throwing has been a form of political theater aimed at those some deem pompous. In its heyday, it was a sort of anarchic gesture with leftist overtones. Okay, this is a little much. I'm looking for an anarchic gesture with with leftist overtones. Let's throw some pie. Anyway, moving right along. From the 1970s through the early 90s, a former yippie named Aaron Kay, also known as the Pie Man, hit such notables as G. Gordon Liddy, Daniel Patrick Moynihan and Hennahan, Daniel Patrick Moynihan and William F. Buckley Jr. Mr. K matched pie fillings to his targets. Thus, New York Mayor Abe Beam got apple crumb. You see, the big apple, and K thought the guy was a crumb. So there you go. More recently, two men threw custard cream pies at conservative author and activist Ann Coulter during a during a 2004 speech at the University of Arizona. The pair, Zachary Wolf and Philip Edgar Smith, called themselves Al-Qaeda. Asked why pie, Mr. Smith said he and his Al-Qaeda colleague were throwing pies at her ideas, not at her, according to a police report filed after the incident. So that would be the strategy. If you're going to throw a pie at somebody's face, throw it not at them, but at their ideas. That is not particularly easy, but nonetheless... It is possible. And speaking of weapons, pie is a weapon. The fellow was arrested for assault. Arts, Beats, and Eats is a festival coming up. Used to be in Pontiac for a long time. Now it's being moved to Royal Oak for the first time. And some folks from a group called Open Carry Michigan, or I believe it was Michigan Open Carry, fought for the right to carry openly shown, what are my words, open carry shown weapon things at the festival. Obviously, I don't carry open carry weapon things, or I would able to talk about thing what they are. But this sparked a commentary on this festival, which we might perhaps call Arts, Beats, and Packing Heat, from a fellow named Harry Cook, a longtime resident of Royal Oak. He is a retired Episcopal priest and a one-time reporter, editor, and columnist for the Free Press. He decided, he said in the Free Press, he what he's going to do is he's going to take a banana and he's going to he's going to stride along he says I'm going to stride among the masses with a good-sized banana strapped to my belt and whenever I come upon an open carrier with his piece I will point to my fruit and say hey buster mine's longer than yours my protest will be like all other protests I have ever mounted in the spirit of passive resistance who has ever harmed by a banana Unless you were to push an underripe one into someone's eye, it has an innocuous fruit on the face of it. So stay tuned, banana fans, he says. I'll be out there this Labor Day weekend seeking confrontation with the open carry missionaries. You might see this headline, Banana Wielder Arrested for Disturbing the Peace. This is a time when... This is a show where the theme is, I wish I had a piece of music really appropriate to that, but boy, a song about bananas. Yes, we have no bananas. I have no banana songs today at the moment, but I do have food that can be wrapped up.
This is Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Hi, this is Mike, and it's a show about food. Wrap it up. Will you take it? Will you take this food to be your lawfully wedded dinner? That makes me hungry. That is Sam and Dave. There's two songs by Sam and Dave, and in fact, if you take out the Dave, it's just Salmon. Mm, I'm really sorry about that. But I want to talk about something else. The sustainability film series is at the Michigan Theater. It started yesterday with a film called The Real Dirt on Farmer John, and it was there yesterday. Hopefully you can get it on, on the Netflix and such like that. The Real Dirt on Farmer John is an interesting story that took about eight years. It took about eight years to make this film, 50 years of this guy's life, be, trying to be a farmer, trying to be a creative artist, and the folks in the rural area where he's from not appreciating him so much, spreading rumors about him that were quite bizarre, on and on, trying to create a farm, trying to hold on to the family farm, and it's really a quirky and beautiful story, and I, I highly recommend it. Now, there are going to be four other films in this sustainability series. Coming up next Wednesday is a film called Living Downstream, and this is a story, a feature-length documentary. It charts the life and work of a biologist, author, and cancer survivor, Who and that will be this next Wednesday at 7 p.m. Also, a film called Renewal, that is about today's religious environmental activists, that's an interesting combination, but true. Wednesday, September 8th at 7 p.m. Carbon Nation is a documentary about climate change solutions. And the series is going to go back to its food roots, which sounds pretty delicious to me. It's going to do so, as a matter of fact, with uh, a film called Ingredients that focuses on farmers and chefs who are creating a sustainable food system locally. Another thing about this film series that's really interesting well, several things some of the directors will be at the films to talk about them afterwards. And in some cases, in the case of the movie Ingredients, we will have folks from Selma Cafe and the Homegrown Festival and the Ann Arbor Farmer's Market talking about their films and about local food. Let's see if I can do this with this computer. I talked to Donald Harrison, who is the executive director of the Ann Arbor Film Festival. The Ann Arbor Film Festival is a part of this sustainability film series. So is Stonyfield, the company that makes yogurt, and he talked a little bit about that. Looks like the films are priced than other films you might see around town, and in fact that all of the money is going to food gatherers. Correct. It's it's something that we were excited about when we started talking about this series with Stonyfield. They wanted to bring it to Ann Arbor as the first city after they launched it in Burlington. And, you know, we said, why Ann Arbor? Why would you want to come here? Well, of course, there's a great community that appreciates food and cares about these issues. And so we got involved. Uh, They're very much about investing in communities, and that's one of the things I've been impressed with. So they wanted to keep the prices down, make it affordable. Uh, it's, uh, all the proceeds are going to food gatherers, and uh, we've been able to get involved with some of the other nonprofits in town. So Think Local First has been involved, uh, Growing Hope. Um, you know, We're talking to the Ecology Center. So really trying to make it something that's involved in our community, and they're, they're not trying to come from outside and just present this. They're really trying to have it be you know, as, as organic as possible to, I guess, use that cliche. You know, I think one of the things for us, why we wanted to get involved is it's an opportunity to bring people together around films, uh, having the experience of watching films together, we feel is very powerful and important. Our festival is very much about films that are challenging typical conventions. Uh, it's something that's important to us is to really engage our community. And so uh, it's something we hope 
is the start of more year-round programming uh, that we're involved in with the Film Fest. And any news on the Film Fest itself? We're going to be doing uh, another one-off screening. So there's going to be one time only screening of a film at the Michigan Theater that we're going to present with the Michigan Theater of a film called Beetle Queen Conquers Tokyo. And it's a documentary, sort of an experimental documentary, and it's going to be coming up uh, October 19th. So you got to mark that on your calendars. And uh, it's a film that's very much about Japan, uh, Japanese culture, and its relationship with insects. Wow, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it, we're excited to bring that to town. And again, we're looking at doing uh, more year-round because we have such a great town, great community and area here. And we want to bring as much, uh, you know, really cutting-edge cinema to, to this community. Well, thank you, Donald. You're welcome, Mike. Thank you to Donald Harrison of the Ann Arbor Film Festival talking about the sustainability film series and wonderful quirky films. The Ann Arbor Film Festival itself is in March every year, if you haven't become familiar with that. But this is about the sustainability film series that's going on right now at the Michigan Theater every Wednesday through September 22nd. This is Pandora's Lunchbox, and coming up at 7, it will be time to face the music. Now, I want to mention an event coming up this Sunday at the Carytown Concert House because it has a peripheral, it actually has a very direct connection to something that is worthwhile. There's going to be a, a concert called You Could Drive a Person Crazy! Crazy Songs for Crazy Times. You know, it is a crazy time. This is a benefit concert composed of Stephen Sondheim songs written for some of his most neurotic and crazy characters. There aren't nearly enough shows that are centered around that. I think this one showed up centered. This show centered is around neurotic, crazy, and <clears throat> but all proceeds from this show at the Carytown Concert House will go towards Gulf Shore Relief through the Greater New Orleans Foundation, which makes me come to the point that perhaps is the most important point of the show. There's a newly discovered species of microbe. They've discovered it's breaking down oil from the BP spill in the Gulf of Mexico much faster than scientists thought possible. The leaking well was plugged in July. Two weeks later, government scientists said that half of the oil had gone. The new, the new microbe was found to be breaking down oil about twice as fast as expected. Take that madge in your palm olive. Researchers discovered that the new oil-eating microbe, while studying, they discovered it while studying the underwater dispersion of millions of gallons which had escaped after the explosion of the deep water horizon. So this microbe thrives in cold water in the deep sea, where temperatures are around 41 degrees Fahrenheit. Scientists say, this is kind of weird, it may have adapted over time through a process of natural selection because of periodic leaks and natural seeps of oil in the Gulf. About 95% of the bacteria in the oil plume were this newly discovered species, while outside only 5% were. Researchers said this suggests a great potential for bacteria to help dispose of oil in the deep sea. And there had been concerns that oil-eating activity by microbes, which I believe there's a class on oil-eating activity by microbes at the U of M, but I can't really be sure that I know what I'm talking about. This activity would consume large amounts of oxygen in the water and create dead zones, which would destroy ecosystems and fisheries. But the study found that that was not necessarily the case. So these oil-eating microbes eat oil because it's just plain delicious, and as a matter of fact, they do not necessarily deplete oxygen, so this is very exciting. But even more exciting, we now have, you know, there are, there are those recordings of whale sounds and walrus sounds and things. Well, they now have recordings 
tiny microphones have been put into the Gulf, which are biodegradable microphones, by the way, which recorded the sound of these oil-eating microbes eating oil. Let's listen to that right now. Shall we? Let's take a listen. Here we go. This is strangely hypnotic. It almost sounds like uh, the squeaking sounds of a baby seal, I think. Eating and eating and eating and destroying the oil. This is... Wait, this this looks good. I don't know what those alarming sounds are, but nonetheless, I I think that... uh, Wait, this is good. Wait, wait, here it comes. I think he's going to eat something. Eat it, eat it. Yeah, 200 points. Yeah! Anyway, this is Pandora's Lunchbox. It's been a show about food for quite some time now. Thank you for tuning in. Remember that the German Park Picnic is this Saturday. You Could Drive a Person Crazy is, in fact, at the uh, Carytown Concert House on Sunday. It's funny, this could drive a person crazy, don't you think? Those delicious-looking maraschino cherries in the corner. I don't know. They... I'll let... This, it's it's really strange. It, it's it's very strange. This has been Pandora's Lunchbox. Did I mention that? This is WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Let's go out with the sounds, the beautiful nature sounds of oil-eating microbes. Coming up, face the music with none other than Mr. Ed Special. This is WCBN FM Ann Arbor Modern. Uh, my music, uh, I have a new record coming out 
it's just like, well, maybe this time they'll hear it. Because he 